My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Friday the 25th of August. I'm Zara Seidler. I'm Nina Kopel. This is a daily news podcast, which means that, as the name would imply, most days we're bringing you an update on what is happening in the world right now. But today we're going to do something a little bit different, and that's because we have what's called an intergenerational report. And that's the government's way of departing from the present, the now, and looking into the future to see what it might hold. So in today's deep dive, we are gazing into the government's crystal ball to see what they think is the road ahead and how they plan to handle it. We can own the future, but only if we take the big shifts seriously. But first, Nina, what is making news today? Health insurer Medibank says it lost over $46 million in the last financial year thanks to cybercrimes. 9.7 million Australians had their personal details leaked when Medibank was hit with a major cyber attack in October. Despite this, the insurer announced a 30% jump in profits for the 2022-23 financial year of $511 million. Japan has begun releasing radioactive water into the Pacific Ocean from the Fukushima nuclear disaster. The water became radioactive in 2011 after an earthquake and tsunami. It's since been treated and declared safe to pump into the ocean by the United Nations' Atomic Safety Regulator. The release has drawn criticism from Japan's neighbouring countries, South Korea and China. The Republican candidates for the 2024 U.S. presidential election have met for their first debate. Donald Trump was not there, instead choosing to be interviewed by conservative political commentator Tucker Carlson. That interview was broadcast during the debate. Mike Pence, who was Trump's vice president, and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis were among the candidates at the debate. And the good news, this is a heartwarming video to watch if you haven't already seen it, but Australian pole vaulter Nina Kennedy has beaten her own national record to win gold in the World Athletics Championships. Kennedy tied with American Katie Moon in first place after both cleared a height of 4.9 metres. That is so high. (laughs) So high. After two and a half hours of competition, the pair agreed not to continue to battle it out for first and second. Instead, they both took home gold. That's some Friday good news. Nina, I've been around politics for a couple of years now and one of the things that I have recognised in that time is that it never slows down. Mm. You are always hustling, always bustling. Something's always happening. Yeah, exactly. And you are always kind of looking at the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And so very rarely in the political cycle do we ever get a chance to really just stop, think about where we're at and then cast our mind forward into the future about you know, what could be in years from now. And one of those times has actually come up this week with the federal government handing down what's called an intergenerational report. There are a few things that happen pretty regularly in the political cycle. We get Mm -hmm. a budget, we have elections every three years. Mm -hmm. An intergenerational report is not something I've come across. So what does it set out to do? What types of questions does it ask? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. So what it's looking at essentially, is what will the Australia of the future look like? So 
How old will the population be? Will that population be growing, for example? How healthy will we be in the future? What will the pressure points be on the economy? And then I think crucially, it examines what the government needs to be doing now to ensure that there's a sustainable future for the country. I think that's the big thing, that if we're talking about what the future looks like and there is a current government in power, it's thinking about how can they do things today to make it better. Exactly. So Treasurer Jim Chalmers has been very keen this week to emphasise that the future laid out in the report is not set in stone. The projections made here aren't predetermined. There's a level of confidence, but not certainty, about how the coming decades play out for us. But he said that the reason the report exists is to make sure that the country is as prepared as possible, I guess, for what the future is likely to hold. And so now that we have this report, what does Australia's future population look like? So Aussies are projected to live longer and healthier lives. Life expectancy is expected to reach 87 years for men and 89 and a half years for women by 2063. The report does, however, acknowledge that some groups, including First Nations people in Australia, experience significantly lower life expectancy. So as the government is looking at this, they're seeing that as our lives lengthen, our population is also, unsurprisingly, going to age. So the number of Aussies aged 65 and over is actually expected to double, and those aged 85 and over is expected to triple by 2063. Australians are also expected to have fewer children and rather than migration filling that gap in the population, it's actually projected that migration will account for a smaller portion of population growth than it does today. So overall, what that tells us ultimately is that population growth is actually expected to be at its slowest rate since Federation in 1901, which is a pretty big headline. I think what comes to mind for me is if the population is getting older but we're we're healthier as we're ageing, why does it matter if the population might not be growing at the same rate? I mean, I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword. I think that on the one hand, of course, having people we love live longer is, you know, of course, a very good thing. In 40 years, old people will be us. Yes, exactly, (laughs) us. We will be living longer. But on the other side of that comes the responsibility that sits alongside an ageing population. So when people get older, money in the economy needs to be spent on caring for those people. And those same people who are ageing are not the ones who are contributing to that economy. So what it ends up with is a lot of the government's investment going to aged care services and care services more generally, and not a lot of revenue being generated within the economy itself. And so what we've found in this report is that ageing is actually estimated to account for around 40% of the increase in government spending over the next 40 years, which is pretty substantial. So a part of this report is the government looking at how they can grow our population in a sustainable way, make sure that there's enough people to fund the things we need to Mm. care for that ageing population. Mm -hmm. Is there anything in this report, though, that looks at how while we grow our population sustainably, we also look after our environment in a sustainable way. I like the segue used with the word Lots of sustainable. sustainability. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that the report does do is provide a bit of insight into what our climate is likely to look like over the next couple of decades. And what it predicts is not something that we haven't heard before. I think that every report that looks into our future paints the same picture. It's pretty bleak. It's not great. 
This specific report says that over the next 40 years, Australia's temperatures could rise by as much as 1.8 degrees, though it does emphasise that different parts of the country will experience different increases. And of course, aside from the environmental impacts and the possible climate that we might be inheriting, the other thing the report says that an increase in temperature could reduce economic output by as much as $423 billion. So the government's looking at that and seeing a really significant economic burden that comes with climate change. That sounds like pretty bad news. But this report, what it's doing isn't telling us what's predetermined, right? This is Mm. just a possibility if we follow the path that we're on. So what's the government doing to try and change that end result? Let's start with climate. The government says this is already on their agenda and we know this, we've spoken at length about what the government is trying to do with climate change in this country. We know that they've legislated a climate target, but on the other hand, we also know that they've continued to approve new coal and gas mines against recommendations from organisations like the IPCC. So In the wake of this report, the government's really been pointing to their climate credentials and trying to highlight the investment that they're making in renewable and clean energy. But whether or not enough is being done to mitigate the future that is set out in the report remains to be seen. And what about that ageing population you were talking about before? So the government, and specifically Jim Chalmers, who's the one that's been talking about this report a lot in the media, has been very keen to focus on the potential for growth in what we call the care economy. So things like investing in nurses and the aged care sector to better care for that ageing population. And the government says they're investing in skills and training and free TAFE courses to try and tackle skills shortages today to then prepare for the future. At the end of the day, this intergenerational report is the government's vision of the future. It's their projections. It's their report. Have we heard from the coalition about their interpretation of this report? Yeah, I think that's an important point to highlight because when handing down a report like this, it also gives the government just a lot of airtime to talk about all of their policies. So I think it's important to focus on what the coalition has said here. We did hear from Shadow Treasurer Angus Taylor yesterday and his big speaking point was that in the context of a cost of living crisis, the coalition believes that the government should be focusing on the present and not on the future. Uh, And we have enormous challenges bearing down on Australian households, Australian small businesses right now. We need a government that gets the balance right and does have enough focus on those crisis issues we're seeing in the cost of living, uh, which are just absolutely extraordinary. In response to that, the government's been keen to point out that the cost of living is a priority, but that the government should also be able to focus on the future and that the two are not mutually exclusive. Well, I think that the only way we're going to know how accurate this report is, Zara, is to, to just live check a long back and healthy life, a long and healthy life, and check back in in forty years and see how they did. Check back in in forty years and <laughs> hear our review then. Thanks for joining us on The Daily Oz. If you learned something from today's episode, share it with a friend, give us a review wherever you're listening. And as always, there's a question box on Spotify. You can let us know what you thought and if you have any ideas for what we can do for future episodes. Sam and Zara will be back again on Monday. Until then, have an excellent weekend.